Thank you, Laura. Um, okay, so here's the deal. Full disclosure, um, our friend Minoka Yance, whom many of you know, was scheduled to preach this morning, but uh, even as we speak, she is in the process of having a baby, which is exciting. Um, seems like a reasonable excuse to not be present here. Um, so uh, I got a report this morning that the baby hasn't arrived yet, but things are proceeding well. That's the latest that I've heard. Um, would you guys mind, even if you don't know Minoka, I think it would be good for us as a community to just say a, a quick prayer for her as, as she is welcoming her precious baby. Would you pray with me? Uh, gracious God, we, we thank you for our sister Minoka, and we ask that you would be present with her in this precious and, and vulnerable time. God, we pray for her, her husband Chris, and the baby. Uh, watch over them. Lord, we pray for her medical team and help her to know in this moment that she is surrounded not only by your love, but, but by the love of this whole church family uh, as well. We entrust her to your care. Amen. Amen. Um, so Minoka actually, uh, she found out on Thursday that she was going to be induced yesterday, and she seemed to be feeling pretty good, and she told me that she had already finished writing her sermon. And I said to her, well, it would be a shame if you worked hard on your sermon and nobody got to hear it. And uh, she agreed to actually record an audio version from home of her sermon. And uh, so we've posted that to our podcast, and I would encourage you to listen on your way home. It's a, a lovely message. Uh, that being said, what I'm about to share with you is not a fully formed sermon, so I, uh, I apologize for that. We're going to do a little uh, Bible study together here. But I did want to say uh, a quick word about this passage, because I don't know if you were listening as Laura was reading, but this is widely regarded to be one of probably the most confusing parables that Jesus ever told. And um, so I'm going to tap dance and try to say something meaningful uh, about it. I won't be able to resolve all the tension of this parable uh, in this time. But nevertheless, I think there's something important here for us. Just to set the context, if you've been with us recently, you know we're in a sermon series right now that's called Jesus on Money. And it's exactly like what it sounds. We're just looking at different lessons that Jesus teaches us about our money, our relationship to our money, and, and seeing what we can learn. If you were with us on the first week of this series, you may remember we, we talked about the fact that Jesus knows that talk about money makes us uncomfortable. And yet Jesus does it anyway. He talks about money a lot. And we said that the reason that Jesus insists on talking about this uncomfortable subject so much is because Jesus knows that our money is deeply, deeply connected to our hearts. And so Jesus doesn't care about our money itself. It's not like he wants our money for himself. Jesus does not need our money. He's Jesus. He's like all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants. But, but Jesus cares about our money because he, he cares about our hearts, right? Jesus cares deeply about our hearts. So let's kind of walk through this, this parable here explore it a little bit and see what we can learn about what this means for our relationship to our money and for our hearts as well. Uh, before we dive into the, the scripture, would you join me in a, a word of prayer? Uh, gracious God, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it guides us and teaches us, for the ways that it helps us to know you and your heart for us, Lord. Um, we pray that you would open us up in this time this morning so that we can hear the, the love and the comfort that you always have for us but God, we also ask you to open us to the ways that you're pushing us and, and challenging us to, to grow 
so that we can be the people you're calling us to be. God, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who is the living word. Amen. So in Luke chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he tells this, this parable, which is like Jesus would tell these, these little short stories called parables, and, and this is one of them. So in Luke chapter 16, verse 1 here, Jesus says, A certain rich man, a certain rich man heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. So like right out of the gate here, we've got this rich guy, he's the boss, he's the master of the, of the household, and he's got this, this manager, traditionally this has been translated uh, his steward, basically this is the guy he pays to like manage his finances and his properties and, and all of this. And, and, and right here in verse 1, we find out that that manager was apparently not very good at his job. He was being wasteful. As far as we can tell, there was nothing nefarious going on. He wasn't embezzling funds, but he was just bad at his job. So already we've, we've got some tension here. What's, what's going to happen? In uh, verse 2, he, that's the, the boss, the, the rich guy, he calls this manager in to his office, presumably, and he says to him, I think this is funny, uh, what, what is this I hear about you? Uh, if your boss calls you into their office and the first thing they say is, what is this I hear about you? You're in trouble. You need to brace yourself, right? That's the case for this guy. So uh, the boss says, give me a report of your administration because you can no longer serve as my manager. There is no, like, work improvement plan here. There is no consulting with HR. That This is just clean out your office. You're done. Run the final report so you can hand those over to the next guy. You're fired. Uh, that, that's what happens. And so then the, the question is, what is this poor manager gonna, gonna do? Well, I don't know if you should feel sorry for him. That remains to be seen. But what's he gonna do? The household manager says to himself, what will I do now that my master is firing me as his manager? And this is, this is funny too. He goes, I'm not strong enough to dig. Like I'm, a, I'm, a indoor, I'm like a knowledge worker. I don't do, I don't do real work. Uh, I'm not strong enough to dig and, I, and I'm too proud to beg. You know, the, the temptations ain't too proud to beg. Um, this guy is, I wrote this on short notice, guys. Come on, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Uh, so what's he gonna do? Well, he, he comes up with a plan. He says, I know what I'll do so that when I am removed from my management position, people will welcome me into their houses. He's like, I got a plan here to, to like make some friends that will take care of me in this tight spot that I'm in. So what's that plan? Well, verse five, one by one, the manager sent for each person who owed his master money. These are like people that the boss was in business with who were in debt. And he said to the first one who came, he says, how much do you owe my master? And, and watch what he does. Uh, the, the guy who owed money said, uh, well, it wasn't actually money, but we'll see this. Uh, he said, 900 gallons of olive oil. That's how much I owe. Is that a lot of olive oil? I don't know. I, I, um, I didn't have time to do much research this week, but have I mentioned that? Um, uh, but like a serving size is a tablespoon, and then this is 900 gallons, so it seems like a lot to, to me. He's in, he's in debt. So 900 gallons, the manager said to him, uh, take your contract, sit down quickly, Scratch out the 900 and just go ahead and write 450 instead, and, uh, and we'll, we'll leave it 
at that. And so 50% discount, that's pretty, pretty sweet. You can imagine how this guy who was in debt feels now towards this manager. He's just made a, a really good friend. Well, the next uh, guy comes in. Then the manager said to another person in debt who comes, he says, um, how much do you owe? And he said, 1,000 bushels of wheat. Uh, I'll confess to you, I, I have no idea what a bushel is. Um, maybe some of you do. I don't know if it's a lot or a little. But there's 1,000 of them in wheat that this guy owes, which, again, seems like he's in a lot of debt. Well, what happens? The, the manager says, take your contract, write 800. And if I was this guy, I think I would have said, you know, the last guy got a 50% discount, and I'm only getting 20%. But this guy wasn't that smart, I guess. So he didn't complain. He was just happy for the, the discount. Now, at this point in the story, we're thinking like, okay, what is the boss going to do when he finds out that his manager, who is basically already fired, is going around behind his back giving these unauthorized, ridiculous discounts. What we think the, the boss is certainly going to be angry. He's going to be upset. He's probably going to press criminal charges against this guy. But here's what makes this parable so confusing and hard to understand. Watch what happens here. Verse 8. The master, did he get upset? Did he press charges? No. The, the master commended, he congratulated, he celebrated the dishonest manager. Why? Because he acted Cleverly is how this translation puts it. Actually, um, if you look at the original Greek that this was written in, the word there means wisely. Like every other time this word shows up in the New Testament, it gets translated as, as wise. So he's, he's praising him for his wisdom in this situation. And then this is Jesus kind of editorializing after the parable. Uh, Jesus says, people who belong to this world are more clever, they're more wise in dealing with their peers than are people who belong to the light. And then Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth, that's financial resources, right? Use worldly wealth to make friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into the eternal homes. And as I'm imagining this scene, as Jesus is telling all this to his disciples, I'm, I'm thinking that the disciples must be very confused, because I'm at least very confused at this point. Like, wait a second, Jesus, you told us the story, but at the end, it, it kind of makes it seem like the bad guy is actually a good guy. And like, Jesus, are you telling us that we need to be like this guy who was obviously very dishonest? I don't understand what this parable means. I think Jesus can see that his disciples are, are still confused. So he goes on with a little more explanation. A couple verses later, he says, if you haven't been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And then here's what I think is like the, the key to understanding the, the whole parable. Jesus says, if you haven't been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own? I think what Jesus is driving at with all of this is he's kind of saying to us that all of us, in a sense, are like this manager in the story in a way. Because, you know, we, we tend to think in our society especially, we, we tend to think that we own the money that we have in our possession. Uh, we tend to think that if we have it, it's ours. But according to Jesus, and according to, really, this is a theme that runs throughout Scripture, what we have is not 
ours in the ultimate sense, that, that we're not truly the owners because everything that we have ultimately comes from God, and so it belongs to God in that sense, right? Like, um, God created everything that we have. God created you. God created me. If we've had opportunities to earn money, well, we, we couldn't have possibly had those opportunities without God, right? If we have talents, if we have uh, abilities and skills that have allowed us to, to earn money, well, that, that's awesome, but we also recognize that we wouldn't have any talents, skills, abilities, opportunities if, if God hadn't given those to us and, and allowed us to have those. And if you think about it, what, what we have financially in terms of our, our wealth, our possessions, um, it's not always going to be ours because one day we're going to leave this world, right? And everything that feels like ours that we own right now, it's going to go to somebody else. And after that, it's going to go to somebody else. It's going to go to somebody else. God is the true owner of what we have. And what we have, we are just managers temporarily of something that is someone else's property. It ultimately belongs to God. And so that kind of raises the question for us. If we're just managers, how are we doing at managing, right? Are we being stingy with what we've been given to manage? Or are we hoarding it? Are we using it exclusively for our own benefit? Or are we being generous with it? Are we using what we've been given to bless and to serve others, to, to enrich the, the connections and the love that we have for others? And that's kind of what we see this manager in the story doing, right? Even though he's dishonest, I don't think the point of the parable is, is to be dishonest. Like, don't go to work tomorrow and start giving unauthorized discounts to your clients that your boss doesn't know about. And certainly don't try to blame that on Jesus. Uh, that, that's not the point. The, the point is that this manager was very clear the whole time that this, this financial uh, uh, resources that he was in charge of, it didn't actually belong to him, and that actually is what freed him to be so generous with it. He, he didn't feel that this need to hoard it for himself, and he ended up giving these, these generous discounts to people that, that deepened the, the relational love and, and connection that he had with them. And so I think Jesus is, is telling us, hey, don't be dishonest, but like learn from that. You know, be, be generous in, in your management of, of someone else's property. Um, so a couple of questions just to, uh, to, to kind of think about later today um, as we reflect on this, on this message and, and throughout this week. One question is, um, when I think about my money, do I see it as something that I own or do I see it as something that I manage on God's behalf? Is it something I own or is it something I manage on God's behalf? That that makes an extraordinary difference, doesn't it? Which, which way we see our money in terms of our spending, our priorities, how we allocate our financial resources. So it's, it's worth considering. And a, a follow-up question to that is, um, am I being generous with what I've been given to manage? Am I using it to, to love others, to serve others, to bless others? Because according to Jesus, that's why God has given us. The, these resources. God knows we need to take care of ourselves. God knows we, we have our own needs, but our money is not only for us, this, this whatever money we've been given. God is calling us to, to use it to bless others as well. Uh, th this is obviously deeply countercultural. It's a challenging message that we get from Jesus, 
but, but Jesus tells us it's true, and we need to know it. Because if we want to have a, a healthy, life-giving, faithful relationship with our money, it's really important that we don't lose this perspective, that, that it's not ultimately ours, and that liberates us to be generous with what we have. And Jesus teaches us this because he knows that, that ultimately that's what's best for our hearts. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious God, this is a challenging word. Uh, we like to think that our money is our own because we applied ourselves and we worked hard and we, we earned it and, and it's ours, God. And so it's hard to, to hear this message that it ultimately doesn't belong to us, but it's comforting to know that all that we have does ultimately belong to you. And so, Lord, we, we pray that you would help us to be faithful in using what we have. We thank you that you're a God who cares so deeply for us. You know our needs. You know what we need before we even ask, and, and we're thankful for that. And, God, we also thank you for the gift of being called to work with you in this world, being called to help spread your love and your grace and your care and your justice and, and to use our financial resources as one way to do that, Lord. Um, so give us the courage to, to receive this message. Um, give us the courage to, to implement this in our own relationship with our finances, Lord, so that we can continue, God, so that we can continue to have the right relationship with money that you want for us because that's what's best for our hearts. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.